0: Even though I've passed through the ages of time, I know how to use technology. I remember the story. Maybe, maybe you can think back to that jubilee moment, with the kids dancing. I think back on the stories of Jesus. You see, I was part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the the Jewish rule that governed the Jewish people. They were the judges. I was one of the Pharisees. (laughs) Jesus did not like the Pharisees. I was one of them. The Pharisees held to the rule of the law that had been passed down from generation to generation through Moses. And they also believed in the oral traditions that had been shared through the ages. The Sadducees, on the other hand, believed that there, it was the written law only. The Pharisees were responsible for interpreting the law to the people and making sure that they held true to the law. If there was a false prophet, it was our responsibility to judge them and condemn them to death. I think back about the memories I have of Jesus. I go back, it really began for me with a man you know as John the Baptist. John the Baptist was outside of Jerusalem at the river called Jordan, and he was teaching a new message. It was a message of repentance and water baptism. He was creating quite the stir. People were coming to him from all over to be baptized in his baptism of repentance. The Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't like what he was teaching. Matter of fact, we went out many times to listen to what he was saying. We went out to hear his message. And his message was one, he said, There's one coming after me who's mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to even touch. One day I was out at the River Jordan, and he was preaching his message. And he looked at the Pharisees and he said, You brood of vipers. That got our attention. It sounded like he was turning the people against us. It sounded like he was trying to create an insurrection. He was saying that the Messiah was already here. We had heard prophecies through the ages about the coming Messiah, but now he's saying the Messiah is among us. And he's calling us a brood of vipers. In the middle of his preaching, he stopped and he turned and there was a man in the crowd and he pointed at him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And Jesus of Nazareth walked out of the crowd, walked to to John, And John baptized him in the water. Some people say that they heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Things were only beginning. Jesus' ministry started off in a little town called Cana. There was a wedding. And he turned the water into wine. Words started getting around about Jesus and what he was doing in his ministry. And then there was the moment in the temple where Jesus went in before the people and he grabbed the book, the scroll of Isaiah, a sacred text, a text full of messianic prophecies. He grabs the book and he stands up in front of the entire crowd This Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, after all, what good could come out of Nazareth? There's never been a prophet out of Galilee. There's never been a prophet come out of this part of the world before. But Jesus stands up in the middle of them all and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he continues as if he is the great teacher. He continues as if he is the Messiah. People were enraged. Some people fell in love with him, but other people wanted him dead and they pursued him out of the temple that day. I watched as they pursued him out of the temple to throw him off the cliff. And somehow he disappeared. They never did kill him. He disappeared. But his ministry grew and it grew and it grew. I heard about the crowds that were following Jesus and he was sitting out teaching them. He would sit on the hillsides. He would sit on the Sea of Galilee and he would teach these crowds. Sometimes he would spend all day with the crowds and then he would heal them, everyone in the crowd. It didn't matter what the disease was. It didn't matter what the ailment was. He would lay hands on them and they would be healed. It started creating a ruckus in the city. This man, Jesus, who was healing people. Oh, and then there was the day that he fed the 5,000. Word really got around that day. Because not only could he heal people, but he could fill their bellies as well. Word really got around that day. Not only could he meet their tangible needs to heal them, but he could actually feed them as well. Word was getting around that they were trying to make this Jesus of Nazareth king. That couldn't happen. That couldn't happen. Not according to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That man, that false prophet, the man full of heresy, could not become king they had to kill him and they came up with a plan you see they they issued arrest warrant after arrest warrant and nobody would turn Jesus in they tried and they tried my colleagues tried and tried to get someone to turn Jesus in and nobody would nobody would betray him They loved him. People were running after him. They were running after him, flocking out. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. You might remember the story of Jairus, one of my colleagues. His daughter was dying. 12 year old girl was dying. And Jairus went after Jesus. There was something to do with some woman who'd been bleeding. And in the middle of that, Jairus presses through the crowd. And as he presses in through the crowd, Jesus, you have to come. My daughter's dying. He got word that his girl had died. Twelve-year-old girl dead at home. Jesus looked at him and said, don't be afraid. Only believe. And Jesus went with Jairus to his house. And He went in and he sat down next to this girl's bed. And he said, little girl, I say arise. And this dead girl Wakes up and lives. The stories that followed after Jesus were mind blowing stories. They caught my attention. I was trained in the law, I knew the Old Testament, I knew the law of Moses. And I knew the prophecies that had been spoken about the coming Messiah. And I wondered, could this be the man? I wondered, could this be the man that we've waited for for so long? He doesn't look like a king. He doesn't even act like one. Could this be him? If he is, we're on the verge of an insurrection. And if we have an insurrection, Rome will be at our doorstep. So we have to keep the peace. It was important that we kept the status quo. And so my colleagues came up with a plan. And they said, we'll not only issue arrest warrants, But we'll incite the crowds against him. We'll make false accusations against him. That's how we'll do it. I went to Jesus at night. He was there with his disciples around the fire, and I sat with him, and we began to talk. I wanted to know who Jesus really was. I wanted to know was he the messiah that was promised or was this just another prophet that would come and go And so I asked him Are you the son of are you the son of God Are you the son of man Are you who you say you are And he bypasses my question And he looks me in my eyes with one of those looks that penetrated my heart. It was in the stillness of that moment he said, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. This was perplexing. How could a man be born again? I mean, I studied the law. I knew... That the only way for salvation is the sacrifices, and that you had to be a good person. And now Jesus is telling me, I have to be born again. How can I be born again? How can I enter into my mother's womb again? He talked about the wind blowing where it will. He told me these stories. that spoke to my heart. And it captured my attention. And from that moment, something changed on the inside of me. I was still a Pharisee, but something was different in me. Jesus' ministry continued. And then Passover week happened. It was the time of great celebration. Kids were dancing in the temple. Jesus of Nazareth was healing the lame and all diseases in the temple. It reminded me About what the temple was really all about. My colleagues didn't like it. They knew that Jesus of Nazareth had to be put to death, they knew that it had to end before before Passover, or we'd have an insurrection. We just didn't know how. And then Lazarus was raised from the dead. That really stirred the crowds. The stories about Lazarus being raised from the dead circulating around town. Jesus was spending an evening with Lazarus and his sisters. And one of my colleagues home, Simon, you might remember him. He had leprosy. He had leprosy. Until Jesus of Nazareth healed him. I remember Simon walking in to the temple. I remember Simon the leper coming in and being, this man who I knew had leprosy is now made whole. There's no leprosy on his body. And he comes into the temple to be declared healed, to be made whole. Jesus is hanging out at Simon's house. And this woman comes in. And so the story goes that this woman poured out perfume all over Jesus' head. All over. It ran down his garments. And one of Jesus' followers in that moment decided to take us up on our offer to be, betray Jesus. It was that night that Judas came in before our chief priest, and he says, I know where he is. I know where he'll be, and I'll bring you to him. Something in my heart broke because I knew what was about to happen to this man, Jesus of Nazareth. He was a false teacher in their eyes, and according to the law, he must be put to death. On the night of the Passover feast, I reminded my colleagues, remember, he's got to have a trial. He's got to be heard. You can't sentence a man to death without at least hearing his side of the story. And just as promised, Judas came in. The chief priests threw him his 30 pieces of silver. They assigned a squadron of troops to go with Judas. These soldiers and officers meant business. They weren't the kind of people you'd want to mess with. They were the soldiers and officers of our court. And they were going to arrest him. And they were going to go and bring him before the Romans to have him killed. Judas led them out into the garden. There they met Jesus. There they met Jesus out in the middle of the garden. Judas walked up to Jesus and kissed him on the cheek. It was interesting to me because Jesus is there with his disciples and he could have incited an insurrection. He could have in that moment caused an upheaval. But he stood there quietly. Peter pulls out a sword and he chops off Malchus's ear. Jesus could have stirred his disciples But he didn't. He picks up the ear off the ground and puts it on Malchus' head and heals him. And he looks at at Peter and says, put your sword away. Was he ignorant of what was going to happen? He seemed so innocent. He seemed so innocent and had no idea of what was coming for him. And yet in that moment, I recognized his innocence is not ignorance. He knew exactly what was about ready to happen. And he dealt it willingly. Not only did he do it willingly, he intended for it to happen. This is what he had been speaking about. He intended for this to happen. He was led into Ananias' courtyard and was questioned was the chief priest of the Pharisees and he questioned him. And the soldiers there smacked Jesus around a little bit. And Ananias said, send him on to my son-in-law. Get him to Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the chief priest of of the Sadducees. Go and see him. Caiaphas was the one that had been organizing all this after all. He was the one that had gotten the people together to accuse Jesus falsely. He was the one that had planned the death. He was the one that had put it all together. Caiaphas had manipulated all of this because he knew that Jesus had to die. And so they brought him in to Caiaphas and Caiaphas questioned him. And then they hit him and beat him. Caiaphas said, Send him off. Send him off to Pilate. He's guilty. We want him crucified. From Caiaphas' house, he was led before Pilate. Pilate was the Roman ruler in our area. There was one thing that Pilate would not want. And that's Caesar knocking on his door. Just as much as the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't want Rome in their business. Rome. Pilate didn't want Caesar in his. So Caiaphas used that and manipulated Pilate. Jesus went before Pilate and Pilate questioned him. Could find no fault with him. Talked about his family. Talked about his birth. Talked about Mary and Joseph. Talked about all that had happened in Jesus' ministry. Are you the king of the Jews, they say? And Pilate could find no fault. Pilate wanted to release him. Pilate wanted him to be free. But the crowd cried, Crucify him! Pilate had his death squad come and get Jesus and lead him out for the scourging. Thirty-nine times his body was beaten. Forty lashes was known as death. It was a death sentence. Thirty-nine times The bones and the fragments on the whip dug into his skin, ripped out his flesh, ripped apart his muscles, deeper and deeper, 39 times, ripping his body apart. Then the soldiers that were with him, they were experts, by the way and what they did they were the death squad they were experts at causing and inflicting the most pain possible the most suffering possible after they beat jesus they found thorns and twisted them and put them on his head these thorns were long thorns that dug into his brow, into his head, and ripped his forehead and the back of his head. As if he hadn't been through enough, they then took a purple robe and threw it around him and mocked him and acted like they were bowing down to him, calling him the king of the Jews. One of the soldiers came over and ripped the robe off of him. The open flesh, the muscles and tendons was excruciating pain. Jesus, writhing in pain. Then the death squad brought Jesus back to Pilate. And Pilate put him out on display for all the crowd to see. He said, this is your king. Thinking that the crowd might change their mind, thinking that the crowd has figured out that this is enough, that we don't need to torture him any longer. He was hoping that they would allow him to release Jesus. But all the more they began to cry out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. No one in the crowd that day would testify against Jesus. They, even their false accusers, refused to testify against Jesus. There was one man who, the only thing he said was, I heard him say he would destroy the temple in three days and rebuild it. That's the only thing they heard. That was the only evidence against him. And he looked like this. Pilate tried again. It's customary that he would release a prisoner, thinking that they would make an exchange. I give you Barabbas. I give you Jesus. And the crowd cried out, give us Barabbas, a known killer. Some of those in the crowds, family members, had been murdered by this man. And they were calling out for his release. And they sentenced an innocent man to death. Jesus of Nazareth. From there, the Roman soldiers brought him to his cross. And Jesus was required to carry the cross beam. On his shoulders, out to Golgotha, the place of crucifixion. He had been beaten within an inch of death. He could barely walk. He could barely stand. You couldn't even recognize him. His face didn't look like the Jesus I saw. He didn't look like the Jesus at the fire. He was so misfigured. And out in front of the cross walked a soldier with a sign of the condemned that said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Here was this innocent man being led in a procession of guilty men, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. I didn't go to Golgotha But I heard the story of how they nailed his hands, these innocent hands, hands who had healed, hands that had helped, hands that had made people's lives whole, were being nailed innocently to the brutal cross. And then his feet were fixed to the cross. Nails being driven through his feet. They raised the cross up and dropped it into the hole, and his body convulsed in pain. My Jesus was hanging on that cross. I was at the temple. And there was a great earthquake. An earthquake like we had never experienced before. It was shaking the whole temple. And the veil in the temple torn from top to bottom. Some said that men and women that had been dead were now living again and walking the streets of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The whole earth went dark. The sun wasn't shining. There was a sense of eeriness and torment in the air. It was almost as if the devil was rejoicing over a victory that he thought he had won. I couldn't stand the thought of my Jesus on that cross and his body for the world to see. I had followed Jesus privately up into this point, but now it wasn't a private matter. Jesus just wasn't a teacher and a prophet teaching the crowds, he was my savior on the cross. And so Joseph of Arimathea and myself went to get Jesus off of the cross. Joseph had a tomb. He was very wealthy and he had a tomb that we could put Jesus in. I brought a hundred pounds of aloes and myrrh with me. Customary was 20 pounds, but I felt that this was Jesus and he was worth so much more. So I brought all that I had A hundred pounds of aloes and myrrh, and I brought them to the cross. And Joseph and I began to pull his body off the cross. Nail after nail, we began, began to take his body down. His dried blood was getting on my skin. His body, His lifeless body was in my hands. The one I believe now to be the Messiah, the one who created and formed the worlds, was lifeless in my hands. And I beheld his glory. I beheld the glory from heaven. I beheld the glory from heaven. I touched him with my hands, the one that had come down from heaven. I was touching him and holding him, his lifeless body saw it for myself. We put him in the tomb. It was quite the procession to get him there. It took us a lot of work. You can imagine carrying a dead man's body. We got him in the tomb. We wrapped him in his shroud and we covered his body. Y'all can stop that music. (laughs) It's distracting. We covered his body with oils and aloes. Song of Solomon says that your name is like oil poured forth. His name is like these oils, this ointment that we're placing on his body. Covering him. He, the anointed one is being anointed. The anointed one, the all-powerful one, is laying in a grave, being anointed with human hands, being anointed with aloes and myrrh. We shut the tomb. The Romans stood guard And many people thought it was over. Many people thought that was the end. This prophet was just another prophet. He's gone. Good riddance. We don't have to worry about him any longer. Joseph went into hiding. Disciples disappeared. People were afraid of what was going to happen. If you said you followed Jesus... People were afraid what was going to happen to you. They killed him. What are they going to do to his followers? What are they going to do to us who were out waving palm branches? What are they going to do to us that got healed? What are they going to do to us? People were in hiding, afraid. Then one day, I heard about Mary, who had gone to the tomb, and she, when she got to the tomb, the stone had been rolled back. When Mary had gotten to the tomb, the stone had been removed and the, and the guards were no longer there. She told the story that she saw angels, that, that there was angels asking her, why do you seek the living among the dead? There are stories about going around about how she saw Jesus with her own eyes. Then we heard that the rumors were true. That the man who had been killed, the man who had been executed was no longer in the tomb. But he had resurrected. We had heard that the rumors were no longer true. And we were told to come and see him. I could actually go see him. And there on a mountainside, I watched the same Jesus who I had sat with. Not that long ago. The same Jesus that I had sat down with and talked with was standing there teaching the crowds again. The very thing that he had been killed for, he's doing it again. This time he's got nail prints, holes in his hands where he's teaching. And there was his feet but he was very much alive. And I watched as he taught. I watched, it was like gravity lifted off of him. And he began to ascend into heaven. He began to rise up into the clouds and then I couldn't see him any longer. And everyone's looking around, what is this? What is happening? And an angel appeared said this same Jesus that's ascended into heaven, he's coming back. He's coming back. I don't know when he's coming back, but I remember those angels. And I remember Jesus, the resurrected king, my king, my Messiah. So I have a question for you today. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen him? You know, when I saw him, it answered every question I ever had. He asked so many questions that penetrated my heart, but it changed everything about me. And no longer my questions mattered. What I was asking no longer seemed to matter. Because I saw him for who he really was. He was the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Have you seen him? It's not just a resurrected tomb. It's not just a resurrection tomb today. It's not just, not just the empty tomb that brings you here today. Oh, we rejoice that he's no longer in the tomb. I saw it with my own eyes. We rejoice that he's no longer in the tomb, but it's more, it's more than just that. You want to know what it is? He said, no man can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again. That's why we're here today. That's why you're here today is that the wind of the Holy Spirit has blown in your life and has brought you to this place today. Just like the wind blows and the trees move and the leaves blow, the Holy Spirit has brought you to this place today. Because He says to you and He says to me that you've got to be born again. So today, you've got to be born again. How is it between you and Jesus today? How is it in your life with him? Do you have peace with God today? Do you have peace with the Lord today? Is there assurance in your heart today that you know him? That when he comes back, that he'll look at you and say that you're his son, that you are his daughter. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you love us. That you've called us. You've chosen us. You've placed your hand upon us. Lord, that you're changing me. Lord, I pray for my friends here today, anyone, Lord, in this building that is not in a relationship with you, Lord, that does not know you, that's not been forgiven, Lord, today that you'd speak to them, Lord, that their hearts would be made aware and alive today of your reality. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the resurrection. We rejoice today that our lives, we can live a resurrected life. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, we can live a resurrected life. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed and eye closed, how is it between you and the Lord today? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Him? Do you love Him? Has He forgiven you of your sins? Have you said, Jesus, I need you? You might be here today and say, Pastor, I've prayed a prayer once before, but I don't know where I stand with the Lord today. You might be joining us online saying, you know, I've prayed a prayer, but I I don't know where I stand with God today. You might be here in the building and uncertain. You can know that you know before you leave today. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one, no one comes to heaven except through me. How is it today with your soul? Before you leave, you can say, Jesus, I need you. Before you leave this place today, you can say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I need you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Before you leave, you can do that. If you're here this morning you say pastor that's me before I go I want to pray before I leave this place I want to pray maybe you're online say before I, I end the live stream today I want to pray before I leave I want you to just raise your hand right where you're at and say that's me that's me I need to make things right with the Lord before I go today I want to start fresh with God today anyone in this place anyone online just lift your hand before the Lord say God that's me I need to surrender. And then it's real simple. Say, Lord, forgive me of all of my sins. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. I want you to be my Lord, my best friend. Make me new in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today online or here in the building, if you're saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you, very first thing you need to do, you need to get water baptized. You need to make a public declaration, I'm following Christ. Make that public statement, I'm following Christ. Get water baptized. Tell somebody, say I'm following before when you before you walk out the doors, tell somebody today, I made a decision to follow Christ, and then get water baptized. And then you need to get plugged into church. This is where you're gonna grow. You can't you can't expect a, a tree to grow without being rooted. So you've got to get rooted. You've got to get planted in a church that you can grow in. And watch what God will do in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just take hands with somebody next to you this morning. Let's pray together before we leave. It's been a great day in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we worship you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we magnify you. We worship you. We thank you for your goodness, your majesty. King of kings and Lord of lords. The resurrected one. The resurrected one. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we magnify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, bless your people today, Lord, as they celebrate Easter with their families, Lord, as they celebrate the resurrection with their families. Lord, I pray for your blessing on every home, Lord, that your peace would be upon every every home. Let your goodness abound. Let your joy abound in every home today. Lord, I pray that lost family members would come to know you, Lord, even today, Lord, at, at lunchtime. Lord, At dinner time, Lord, lost family members. There'd be decisions for Christ, Lord, as people go on about their ways. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Hallelujah.